Good morning, welcome to MBIC Church. We are in our second Sunday of a series called Art of Neighboring, May 24th. Welcome. Also, if you're able to go to our website, we've got a couple tabs for you to check out. One is called I'm New, if you want to connect with us for the first time. Another is called Home Groups, as they uh, are still happening uh, throughout our neighborhoods and homes. And third, uh, there's a tab that just has ideas on what you can do right now to get involved and to, to look out and help others. So uh, I want to introduce you to my friend Mark here. And um, Mark, just maybe say how, how you know me. Well, uh, we've been coming here for a, quite a while now. And uh, my wife, Chris, and son, Dawson, uh, who plays the piano up here. And uh, we live uh, about a few blocks away in Lidditz, and so I've been out doing walks lately, and I managed to get over to see Dustin and Janelle sitting on their beautiful front porch, and we get to have a conversation where I stand on the sidewalk and they're on the front porch. That's been great lately. So catching up with neighbors on walks, and Mark's head just pops up once in a while, which is pretty exciting. Um, we wanted you to know about two events coming up, and so Mark, why don't you introduce the first event? The first one I'm very excited about. It is Donut Day, which is coming up uh, a week from Sunday on uh, May 31st. It's a drive-through from 10 to 12. Uh, bring your family, pack them in the car, and come pick up donuts. And they're coming from Bylers, I know that, but it's been a bit of a secret what kind of donuts there are. Do we have any insight on that yet? So, Mark, I'm going to hand you this amazing note we just received from Bylers. If you just want to read that for the audience. Hmm. I think they might be interested in wow. what's in there. We've, we're going to have Boston cream donuts, cinnamon and sugar donuts, M&M donuts, and <clears throat> my personal favorite, apple fritters. One per person. So that's, donuts are pretty exciting. But what else is exciting would be milkshakes. And so then the following Wednesday, we're going to have a milkshake drive through uh, in the evening for three hours. And we invited really the whole community, whoever wants to come in Mannheim area, um, uh, it's going to be crazy. We're going to make them as fast as we can and hand them out to people in their cars. Um, also, if you want to give any kind of donation, either through uh, canned food or money, to the Manheim Food Bank, we'll be collecting that at that time as well. The, the last thing as we go into the art of neighboring is, I like this question, and I'd have you ask it to yourself. Why do you love your neighbors? Uh, for me, I, I borrow a lot of things from my neighbors, so I really appreciate the fact that they, they're willing to help me out when something else breaks. I've, I've borrowed a, a lawnmower and a Coleman stove in the past two weeks because my stuff broke. Um, another thing is, is it's been a baking season, and I've been looking for ingredients for a time or two, and so it's great to ask neighbors if I can borrow an ingredient. Uh, and lastly, um, I love to hunt and butcher, and I never seem to have sharp knives, but I, I now have a, a neighbor who grew up in Myanmar or, or Burma, and he knows how to sharpen all my knives. He does this wet stone technique, which is amazing, and gets them all really sharp for me and then hands them back to me. And I'm just so thankful for my neighbors whenever he sharpens my knife. So, um, again, why do you love your neighbors? Well, I can tell you one reason I love... Uh, my neighbor is last week we had a gas leak in our neighborhood and the neighbor discovered it and we all evacuated so that was a very good reason to love our neighbor that week uh, anyway we welcome you here today and uh, we ask that you look at that question too and as we go through the service here about why do you love your neighbor
bless the Lord, oh my soul. So sometimes we get to sing that and all of our circumstances line up with it. Things are good, things are beautiful. We're drowning in blessings. And then other times the words seem uh, much further from our reality. We're in a dry place and a barren place and full of uncertainty. God calls us to come to him. God calls us to cry out, bless the Lord. And it is good for our souls to do that because regardless of circumstances, regardless of how broken the world is around you, inside you, God is good and God is where we are. So let's affirm that together and say, bless the Lord. forever 
young and old, will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He's far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. Entirely faithful. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Challenges to love neighbors. When I started thinking about this, thought, okay, let's go north, south, east, west. My west neighbors, um, they're great. I never hear anything from them. I, in fact, I've, I've never heard anything from them. 
that's because that's a cemetery. So those neighbors are really easy to love. The neighbor across the street to the east of us, like I said, he's from Arab or Israel, Arab descent, and they're believers and really, really neat people and have a lot of fun with them, and they're easy to love. The ladies to the north, that's uh, mother-daughter, they're, they're both widowed. Um, they're really easy to love. Those are the ones that, that I help get the fire going, and just, just a, a wonderful um, two ladies. But the neighbor to the south of us is a real challenge to love. She, um, I don't want to say a whole lot negative about her, but, but she's just not like the people, the other people that live around us. She um, was mowing her yard about two or three weeks ago one Tuesday night at 11 o'clock at night. That's sort of tough to love. And there's a lot of different things that she does that can really get under my skin. Several years ago, my wife made some cookies for us to um, deliver to the neighborhood uh, at Christmas time. And plates of cookies were on the, on the table with cards on them, and this particular lady was not included in that list. And my oldest daughter said, if she finds out that you gave cookies to everybody else and not her, it's not going to be nice, and it's not nice. And of course she was right. So I took a plate of cookies over to her, and when I handed her the cookies, she just looked at me, and she started to cry. She gave me this huge hug and looked at me and said, nobody has ever done anything like this before. So my challenge to myself is to not ignore her. It's not to put her down. It is not to just dismiss her in any way, shape, or form. But it's so easy, and, and I think most of us have somebody, a, a neighbor, uh, a co-worker, somebody in our life that is that challenge. And you know, Jesus himself said in, uh, in Luke that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's a real challenge, a real challenge. And I don't have it all together. I really don't. But it is a challenge that I do my best and try to love all my neighbors as I love myself. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, our guide, and Jesus, our Lord and King, we come to you with hearts that are excited to worship you. 
hearts that in some ways are heavy, but in many ways are oh so light. Lord, we may be scattered in many places. We may be worshiping at different times. But Father, we are all together in our gratitude and our awe of you. Lord, we pray that as we give this time to you, you would find that our worship is pleasing. And we ask that you would use our worship to prepare our hearts to hear the message that's coming, the message about love. Father, you demonstrated through your son Jesus what real love is. And Father, you ask us to love our neighbor in the same way that Jesus showed his love for us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us with that. And we pray, Lord, that, that the world around would see your love. A love that's deep, a love that's wide, a love that knows no bounds, a love that's limitless, and a love that's reckless. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.
Hey, and a welcome again to the service and uh, this part of the service where uh, we get to just pause and chat about what is uh, God saying to us right now in the midst of this season. We're in this series called The Art of Neighboring. We're in the second week, and uh, last week we, we finished with uh, the question of, uh, you know, what is that one thing that we can do to bridge the, the gap? What's the next step? What's the one next step that you can take. So uh, maybe you're there sitting and you guys could uh, chat about that and share what the one thing was if you're in your living room uh, there with your family. Just go ahead and just uh, let somebody know, did you take one step or did you forget? Um, High five somebody who remembered to do uh, one thing. That would be good. Um, But there are many things this week, if you've forgotten or this was something that was kind of on the back, you know, back burners. Uh, there are many things vying for our time, and so this can easily uh, become something that is in the background. The art of neighboring, uh, we talked about how the art of this is a very important part because it's something that we learn. We are uh, watching Christ live and, and, and do the things He does in uh, those three years that we get to watch Him live. And we see this art form, the way that He lived with others, loved others, um, sacrificially, he loved. So I just wanted to come out with uh, week two and say this, that uh, as we prioritize our time and put things in order, we can begin to place a value on all the happenings in our life, allowing us an opportunity to assess where we need to shift towards his value system 
and away from any other. As we look into Jesus' life and the things that he did and the way that he loved and neighbored, uh, we're going we're gonna to spend some time this morning looking at the way that he prioritized and, uh, and look if there's anything in our life as we do the same, uh, whether we need to shift towards the values that he uh, was using and if there's anything maybe we need to shift away from. And so that, that's the pause that we're going to take today. And I don't know about you, but it's very easy for something to, uh, you know, take up my time or for, very easy for me to say uh, maybe that I can't do this or that because I don't have time, time. And this season, I've heard people say, well, maybe I can't use that excuse anymore. And I've heard other people say, man, I have like all of my time is gone based on just the, the shift and the different things I've had to do in the midst of the season. So time has become a very important thing for us to talk about, I think, as things got shifted in this season and, and maybe different things got put in different places in our schedule or lack of schedule. Um, it's an important thing for us to look at. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. And as we talk about neighboring, it's one of those really important things to talk about. So um, you thought about your first step, uh, and maybe you went and you got the names, um, the names of those neighbors. Maybe you got one name, and that is good. That's something to celebrate if you got one name. But I wonder if you had to push through an awkward moment, um, or if you had to push through the, the, the barriers that can, can be in front of you as you go to make time um, to do these things, like getting somebody's name, or delivering something to your neighbor. Um, very easy for those things uh, just to be inconvenient, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. So maybe you ran into some barriers. And I think uh, as, as you step out, that, that's one thing that's going to come out of this is uh, that barriers are going to get in the way. And anytime we step out and we, we begin to walk in uh, what God has called us to, uh, I think we're going to hit barriers because following Jesus is most of the time counter culture. It's counter to what the culture is saying. And so when we follow Christ, we can expect to come up against barriers. As we uh, love like Jesus, we can expect to uh, get sideways glances or come against more barriers. So uh, I would ask you this, what's your go-to thing as to why uh, something will be too much. You know, like, what's, what's your go-to excuse you use if you're, you're faced with an opportunity to do something and somebody asks you, hey, can you come do this or can you help me with that? What's your go-to excuse? Just think real quick. What's your go-to, uh, i got to come up with an excuse. What is it? Where, where are you at? Tell somebody. Tell somebody in the room. Look over and say, hey, uh, this is my go-to excuse. Right? Unless it's the person you've used that excuse with a lot because then you don't want to bring it up. Maybe just look the other way and just forget I said that um, because maybe that's too far too quick. But let's real quick, let's turn uh, together in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10 uh, where we're going to see uh, this, uh, this kind of come to the surface as Jesus just goes about uh, doing what he does kind of in the daily routine. There's an interaction here that is uh, really unique and, and I think very telling and helpful to all of us. But Luke 10, verse 38 is where we start. You have your Bibles ready? All right, here we go. Luke 10, 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted 
with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Today, we're looking at this interaction between Mary and Martha. It's actually one of those stories that is well known. You've heard it before. You've used maybe used it to describe different people or situations. And um, I think many people know about it. This example is right in the midst of routine life. I've come into the home. That would have been very customary for uh, Jesus to sit down and the disciples are traveling. And, and so they, they sit down there and uh, Martha begins to uh, prepare, I would think, a meal. And she's saying that she's serving them. So right where we pick up in this, in this scripture, I just want us to be uh, just very well aware. This is in the routine part of life for them. This is not extra um, sp- special things that they're doing. This is something that is in the flow of the day. So I love this response from Jesus in verse 41. It says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary. Troubled about many things. Only one is necessary. Can anyone relate to that today? (laughs) I mean, something we can all probably hear today, right? That there's many things that we can be anxious about, but maybe there's just one thing that we're supposed to be concerned about. One thing. Just do me a favor right now. Just stop pause, let it be quiet wherever you are. And just, if you're alone, say it out loud. One thing. One thing. And if you're all together in the room, everybody say it together. One, two, three. One thing. One thing. Not two. One. One thing. (laughs) It's so hard, isn't it? To be focused on just one thing. And you might say, no, Bryce, I am focused. I have got this down. Well, praise God. You are an anomaly. And you, if we really looked at it, maybe we would find an area where in your life there are many things and you just call it one thing. Today, with all of the things that are distracting us and potentially distracting, God says just one thing. Troubled about many things, one thing thing is necessary. Is Jesus rebuking that? Is Jesus actually telling her off and saying, hey, don't be troubled about all of those things? I don't think really right in this moment. She's doing something helpful. She's serving. But he's simply bringing to the surface for us who are listening and those that are reading and those who are in that moment, I think a powerful, a powerful question and truth for us all to examine. There are many people that Jesus ran into, and I think many situations where he was, where there were many things that he could have been doing, but he decided to focus on one. Where do you say that happened? Well, if you want to go and read for yourself, just read through John, 
and look at the any interactions that happen and how many of them with the crowds and how many of them with the one. Of course, you have the Sermon on the Mount where he just broadcasts to everybody, hey, this is what needs to be known. This is what needs to be said. You need to hear this. And he preaches the best sermon ever, right? And that that's amazing. How many other incredible, massive sermons do we have written down? They're, we can count them on our hand. And I think about that because um, that, that's the truth of it. If you follow through the gospel, what you're going to see is Jesus interacting with one and then one more and then one more and then one more. You're going to hear him about, uh, about many times walking through a crowd, walking to someone. And that, that is our Jesus. That is him teaching us this art of prioritizing, the art of neighboring. There were many people to heal, but Jesus saw one. There were many people to gather and that would want to gather on one side of the lake, but Jesus knew of one on the other side who was struggling that needed help. So Jesus crossed the lake, if you remember that story, for the one. And then he came right back for one. There were many people to feed. On that mount, there were many people that were hungry, but only one had five loaves and the fish, and that's all Jesus needed was one. There were many people pushing against him as he walked through the crowd, but there was only one that touched him. Jesus, again, focusing on and prioritizing the one. Who touched me? Jesus asked, and everyone around him was perplexed. Are you are you kidding, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. No, somebody touched me. There were many voices when things got tough, but there was only one that Jesus wanted to be with and hear from. I think about that picture of him in the garden and being a stone's throw away from the guys. He didn't want to hear their voices. He wanted them to pray with him, but there was one voice that he wanted. I wonder about you if, you know, in the tough times and in, in this season, if you have had a tough time with this uh, isolation because there was, there was a kind of uh, an instant kind of downgrading of all the stuff. There was just a, whoa, there's now only a few things to do. And if that was a struggle to, to, to get through because of your so used to the busyness of life. We can be troubled, confused, overwhelmed, and anxious about many things, but there is only one thing that we must do at this very moment that I think God is calling us to. And if, if, that's, if that's not true, then I don't know why Jesus lived that way. Because there were many things that he could have done in three years, but he chose to do specific Things And he, supposed, he chose to, to call to himself specific people, and he chose to invest in specific relationships. And I think so that he could have a greater impact. Only one is doable at a time, and we gain nothing by worrying. And um, after the, the, the Sermon of the Mount, or... Towards the end there, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, he says, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so, again, God is reminding us there is no need to put so much weight and worry on the, the plan as a recovering uh, planaholic. Um, you know, I, I need to release. I live with a free spirit. And so we love to live together, but at times, you know, we can be at odds because I want a plan and I want it laid out right. And, and uh, you know, there's another way to live. <laughs> and so I don't know about you, what it looks like in your home if you have different personalities and, and planning is one person's strength and not another person's strength. But they both need to come together. Uh, <clears throat> time, though, could be the number one barrier to us walking out, loving God and loving our neighbor, the way that we prioritize. I think we have gotten so accustomed to being busy that many of us are quite literally now experiencing withdrawal symptoms when we're going through this season, <laughs> having to stay home, staying still, not doing the tasks, not having a busy schedule laid out for me during the week. It can make you anxious and nervous about whether things got done because you didn't check as many things off on the list that day that you were used to. So I would ask you right now, just as an examination of yourself, if, if you're recognizing yourself in some of these uh, conversations we're having right now, you might say or to yourself, you know, what am I prioritizing? How was I prioritizing in the past? Was I used to having a schedule and now uh, that it was interrupted, did I get back to another schedule of busyness or did I, did I maybe make it simpler? Which would have been great if you did. Um, but the true question is, you know, are we running at a sustainable pace? And were we before? Uh, or was it slowly pulling us down and making us inaccessible or uh, inefficient <laughs> or uh, really minimizing our impact in our community? See, busyness will keep us busy and away from maybe the things that God would want us to focus in on. I don't know about you, but I remember the day, and uh, some of you can laugh at this, but I remember the day when you couldn't skip commercials. I used to watch TV, and then when the commercials came, it was somebody else sitting there just, just told you what it was. But when the commercials came, you would get up, get your drink. You would get up and go to the bathroom, right? You would use the loo. That's what we did. Loo time, and you go to the loo. Well, <laughs> that's maybe uh, totally different now because we watch shows. And there's no commercials, and if there are, you can skip them, right? And if there's a five-second commercial, you get frustrated. Like, why do I have to watch this? Life is very different now. There are so many things put into place so that we will skip through and do things as quickly as possible. And because we have all of those things around us trying to help us have a less busy life or a life that is uh, seamless, if you would, because it's not broken down and it is becoming seamless, we can cram more in. Which sounds crazy, but that's what we do. So we, we feel like we have more time, so we fit more into it, and therefore we end up doing less or having less free time, less time that can be interrupted, right? 
You staying with me? I know that every year when uh, we get to we every year that we get to go to the beach, uh, if we get to go to the beach, uh, we you know we get the packing done and the kids go upstairs. They get their stuff in their bag and and they they pack their bags. And Christina's got her list of things and I've got my list of things that I want to take. And I say to everybody, okay, go put it in the parking lot. Drop it outside of the van. Do not put it in the van. Anybody with me? Do not put it in the van. I'm going to pack the van. That's what I'm going to do. So do not put it in because I want to what? I want to prioritize what goes in where and I want to make sure it fits. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I don't know. Is it a guy thing? Is it a personality thing? But if we get to pack it, Brian, you with me? Right? If we get to pack it the right way and get it to fit in, good. Like there's a sense of like, oh, man, when we're, we can see out the back window. We can like, we can say we did it. Like it is perfectly weighted for the ratio. It's not going to weigh down the left or the right. right? It's perfect. And there's, there's, there's something about that. But it's also about prioritizing. Because what I can do is I go through that and I can separate the stuff that's non-essential. Oh, I shouldn't have said that word. Sorry. I can separate the things <laughs> that are not needed for the vacation. Like the boys might, you know, I shouldn't say this on video. They're going to hear it. But if, if I pack something that they put in, the, or they pack something in their bag that just has no place going, like, you know, iPads and things like that, because I, I want them to get away from electronics, I can put that stuff away and I get a chance to kind of prioritize what needs to go. And, and that's amazing what I'll find, you know, like half the cupboard, the, the food, somebody put a bunch of snacks in. I'm like, where do all these snacks go? I'll find them. So now the boys know I, I, I do that. But in that packing process, what I'm doing is I'm prioritizing. And I wonder if in our life right now, there's, there's time for us to repack before the season gets to changing again. Is this a, a time, and I know some people are already doing this and thinking through this, like time has been a barrier that has been removed somewhat, and now we're getting back to it, and I want to be sure that I don't just jump right back in and lose something. That, that time has, is and should be something that I take very, very seriously. And I would say it's the greatest resource we have, time. We've got a limited amount. We can't buy it from somebody, loan it from somebody. It is what it is. Your, your days are numbered. And so we have this amount of time, and that's it. Sorry. But we, we have time. And so it is, it is this great asset, this resource we have. And the question is, how will we use it? And I think that's, that's a, a mandate for all of us believers, a command that we should know, this resource that God has given us and trusted to us to, to steward. How are we stewarding it? And I would go as far to say that, that if you're going to look at time and money, if you've prioritized money and you know what, where your money goes and you know where every penny goes and you're, you have been studious to put away and save and make it work for you, but you haven't prioritized your time, you missed it. Because that's exactly what Mary and Martha's situation points to is that there is a need for us to be in the moment more than there is a need for us to be prepared and busy and serving. God has called us to, to, to serve others the, the love and gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, Martha was doing good, but was she missing the moment, what was necessary in that moment? And I think that's what Jesus brought to the surface. And I think the Holy Spirit in you and I, because it's different for each one of us what this moment is calling us to. So the Holy Spirit in you is saying, this moment I need to be where? 
What has God called you to? You have different gifts and strengths, and that's why the body coming together, listening to the Holy Spirit, looks beautiful. His bride looking beautiful because He has created each and every one of us to be born for such a time as this, to serve those people that He's put us in proximity with, and to steward the time we have. So we can't let time be the barrier to reaching our neighbor. We can't let it be the excuse that we don't have time or that something has taken priority over loving our neighbor. So the question I'm asking is, what does it look like for you? What what does prioritization (laughs) look like? Now, if you've created those purpose statements uh, we've talked about over the last few weeks, we've talked about maybe purposing or God is doing a repurposing of rooms in our house. And, and maybe for, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The, the, the purposing of your family, your mission statement for your family, your purpose statement for your family. If you've done some of that, you've already gone kind of through the lengths, the measurements of, of what God is calling you to. And the next thing is, if you've written that statement, is, okay, what adjustment is made? so that we can walk this out. And time, is that's the rubber meets the road. What am I doing with my time? So if, the, if my purpose statement is this, God has called me to this, then what does my time look like? And, and with money, we say we give the first 10. We give of the first fruits, right? And so we give of the tithe, the 10. And so that, that's a great principle to live on. So why not put that into our lives? In the beginning of our week, yes, we give God worship, we give God glory, we give Him our time, right? But how much of that spills over to the rest of the week? Is it just that slot of the week, or is God calling us to say, okay, He wants all of our heart? And I, would, I would go and, and say to you, you know, have, have you thought about how all of the week falls in? All of the week falls in to His kingdom purpose for you. And you begin to look at it. Okay, if He gets priority on my time, have I said, Holy Spirit, what, what do you, where do you want me to spend this time? Who do you want me to spend time with? And I have to be careful because the planner in me, like there, there you go. I begin to plan it out and I might even get off track. But I want to start with, hey God, where do you want me? Three myths about the barrier of time. Right? I'm going to put these up here. Things will settle down. These are ways that we can avoid uh, really loving our neighbor. Things will settle down. As soon as I get this done, then life will settle down. Next one is more will be enough. I'll be content right after I get the mulching done. Right? I'll, the, the neighbor really needs help with that tree. I can see it's falling down. But when I get done with this, this, and this, then I'll have like this done, so I'll be able to go and help them. And then the, uh, <laughs> the one that can be such a trap, and this one, the everyone lives like this, right? It kind of dives into uh, one of those areas that is very, very sticky, and uh, I think... Uh, you know, if we, if we had time, we could elaborate on this one a lot with Saul and David. But it's the, it's the, it's, yeah, it, it's the trap of comparison. We compare our lives to others and we can get trapped and stuck, really trapped on a downward spiral very quickly if we're not careful. Now, everyone lives like this, right? 
this is the way it is for everybody, so they're not going to be worried or they don't really need. And so right after that excuse can come even more excuses. I love this in this scripture we just read. In verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. Because it's not about whether what we're doing is good or bad. It's whether we're doing what God is calling us to do right now. What is God calling you to do right now? So do you remember when Jesus was speaking in a home that was full of a group and a man came paralyzed and he couldn't get to see him? They went onto the roof and they lowered the man in. And it was a great and awesome show of love that his friends had and incredibly rude. (laughs) Jesus was now widely accepted as a great teacher and many followers. And he was there teaching in the middle of a teaching. He was interrupted in the middle of teaching. Can you imagine this scene in a classroom where a doctor's teaching? He comes in out of his, you know, uh, surgery, you know, lifestyle. He comes out and goes to teach in a university, and he takes that time aside to teach these aspiring surgeons. And the doctor's there, and he's teaching, and the security's tight, so you can't get in. And everybody's packed in to hear this top surgeon and and doctor and. And then right there in the middle of that teaching here in through the ceiling comes someone who needs surgery from that surgeon. And this is, this is really what happened in this picture with Jesus is these people knew what this man could do. What he offered uh, was what their friend needed, what their neighbor needed. And so they were going to go to any length to, to get to this doctor. But to me, like that neighboring, that love, that's great. But what Jesus did was even more powerful than what the friends did. And that was Jesus did not get offended and he was not interrupted. Actually, if you read through that story, right, it's almost like he knew, well, he probably did know it was going to happen. But it's almost like the interruption helped him to bring out a point and helped him with teaching and helped him to show people what this love really looked like. And I want to close with this. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And I read this bit earlier. And he says, daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This season offers us something of a break to see these interruptions as part of our ministry and our calling. So I would encourage you, stop fearing loss of time or loss of the plan. In other words, be in the moment. Listen, Jesus wants us to be interruptible, to have a life that can grow off the plan sometimes. There's nothing wrong with a plan coming from strategy guy. Seriously, But the point of the strategy that most sports coaches will tell you is so that you have the freedom and the space to go on something that is truly inspired. So what will it look like for you to take another step this week in the art of neighboring? Does it mean going through a repacking like we repack the van for our beach trip? Will you 
do some reprioritization. We have a priority to God, to our immediate family, to our closest friends, discipleship relationships, to rest, to sleep. And there are many other things. We have these priorities in our life that are ordered by God and, and, and helpful to us as followers of Christ. Where do our neighbors fall into that list? Mark Comer said this in his book, or John Mark Comer said, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our life. And I absolutely agree. I want to be interruptible. If you're going to neighbor well, you need to try to be interruptible. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. John Ortberg said that, and being a good neighbor, what that means to me is being late to some other responsibilities I'm going to have. And Jesus was busy, but never rushed. So, while the world in this season might be putting up barriers, I believe we are to be building bridges. Church, that doesn't mean not being a responsible uh, neighbor. It does not mean, mean, you know, be irresponsible during this season. I don't mean that in, to, in any way, shape, or form. What that means is my life is interruptible, and I'm not going to react to push people away. I'm going to look for ways to love and be there in the moment, not just with God, but with those people that are looking for His love. And that's our calling. That's yours and my calling, to neighbor well. So I pray that the barriers uh, that have held us back with our neighbors this week are going to come down. I believe that we're going to break through and we're going to have to go through, like we said last week, some awkward moments. Um, and we're also going to go, have to go through some moments where we break our own barriers um, on time and maybe uh, be a little interruptible this week. So, uh, church, I'm praying for you and really looking forward uh, to getting together sometime soon. And I pray that you are blessed this week as you love your neighbors. God bless. Well, thanks for joining us today. It was great to have you with us, even virtually. Uh, don't forget, next Sunday, our, the drive through Donuts, following you watching church online, you can drive here to the church from 10 to 12 and pick up those wonderful Byler Donuts. Thanks for being with us. And uh, any of the pastors here at Manhattan BIC, we want to extend an open invitation. If you got a question or you want to just talk about something, reach out. Uh, phone call, email, we're available this week. Um, so thanks again, and we'll catch you next Sunday.